0: welcome to island baptist church bill's lesson today is in luke chapter one titled christmas mary mary good morning welcome to island baptist church great to see you it's your first sunday here Uh, we're glad to have you and uh privileged to have to have you here we've working our way through the book of luke and uh, we're going to be in luke today but we're not going to be in sync with where we've been. We've been in chapter 16 or working our way all the way to chapter 16. We're going to be backing up to chapter 1 of Luke, if you would like to turn there with me. In fact, I would like it if you would. Uh, We're going to step out of line, I guess you could say, from our uh, standard uh, uh, following through the Scriptures, reading, preaching through the Scriptures, and backing up because of the season we're in. I don't know if you notice that. It's warm outside, but this is Christmas. Everywhere else, it's frosty air and jingle bells and sleigh rides and stuff like that. and I hope you get to go to the beach today because it's going to be nice. Not till I'm done, though. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be down in verse 26 here in uh, just a bit. Uh, Christmas matters. I don't know if you've been a part of our church long or through the Christmas season. You've probably heard me say that uh, most people, most, any, anybody that's of any scholarship will tell you that it's almost certainly Jesus was not born this time of year without question, not December 25th. I'm not trying to get you to change your calendars because uh, we don't know the date. Uh, just because of the, the, the situation, for instance, the shepherds being in the fields wouldn't have happened in the wintertime. And so that it's, it's cold and rainy there in December. Uh, they wouldn't have been in the fields. It was not where they were. It's, it's an indication of the time of year. So sometime spring or fall, maybe summertime. Uh, we don't know uh, does, it, does that really matter? No, I mean, we're going to shift the date to some date we don't know. No, it, it, Christmas matters, and it matters because of some very important things that I want to point out to you to begin with here. It marks several important things. It's the change uh, of the world and the universe uh, of inc- some incre- by some incredible events. marks the place in eternity... Where God changed his nature, not his character. The character of God is always the same. I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? But the nature of God forever changed 2,000 years ago. Prior to that, like always prior to that, it's hard to have a conversation about eternity. It's hard for me to talk about it because I don't know what I'm talking about. It's hard for me to tell you about it because you don't know what I'm talking about either. What is eternity? What is forever? What does that mean? We have short lives. Uh, we're, our lives are based on today and tomorrow and next week and next year and maybe next uh, five years or some kind of cycle. But, but really, ultimately, our, you know, what do we got? I don't know, 70, 80, 100 years? How long do we have down here? Very short windows. And so we tend to be very focused on some very, a very small, short piece of time. Eternity means nothing to us. Someone described it. He said it's, it's like a couple of twins inside the womb having a conversation about what life outside the womb is like. They've never seen it. They can hear muffled sounds. But where they live is dark compared to what it is on the outside. And so that's really what our conversation about eternity is. But with all that uh, taken into account, uh, consider that for all forever in the past, God was not what he is now. God was not human. God was not, he was nothing, I should say nothing. He was only spirit. Uh, only spirit forever and ever. He who worships the Lord must worship Him. God is spirit, Jesus says. And he who worships Him must worship in spirit and truth. Well, 2,000 years ago, God became one of us forever. So forever in the past, God was not. He was uh, not one of us. He was spirit. Forever in the future, God will be one person of the Trinity, will be forever. One of us. Jesus became a man. He didn't just live a man for 33 years and then die and then resurrect into something different. No, he came back as a man, a Jewish man. Again, the concept is so wild that today there is a Jewish man, a descendant of Mary, sitting on the throne of God. That's a wild thought. He's the king. He's God. So why does Christmas matter? Because that's a big deal. That's huge. Again, wrapping our minds around it is difficult to do, but we certainly need to state it. It also marks God's uh, first invasion of the earth. We're here to say that way, the first and the second comings of, of Jesus. Think about it as invasion. So God was basically kicked out of the planet by our forefathers' decisions to sin against Him. We chose to be lords of our own lives and therefore gave it over by default to a dark lord uh, and kicked God off. We don't want you to be king, effectively, and God honors our yes as well as he honors our no. And so uh, he invades again, though. He comes back. It's not that God isn't present necessarily, but he comes back in physical form. We had the presence of God walking with them in the garden, right? Well, that no longer happened after that. And then he came back through a virgin's womb, and he became a man, like I said, became one of us. And his invasion. Is that how you would have done it? You're God coming back to that which is yours and to redeem that which is yours and you're going to come back to the womb of a virgin? Is that how you'd have done it? It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's just crazy, uh, but very true. So it marks the first invasion of the earth. It also marks a prototype of God's second invasion. You know, he's not just coming once. He's coming again. We talk about that one, in fact, a lot more often than we talk about the first one because well, there's a reason for it. The Bible actually weights them that way. And they're very different. Of course, invasions in both cases and very different otherwise, but two things that are true about them. Number one, in both cases, God predicts them. Like I said, the first invasion is a prototype of the second one. God predicted the first one. He told us, like I said, He's coming through a virgin. How did it, how did it happen? Just like that. So not only does He predict it, he says exactly what he means, even though what he says is really hard for us to wrap our brains around because, you know, your 16-year-old comes home and tells you that she's pregnant but that she hasn't been with anybody, and what do you say? She's a liar, or she's, you know, needs to have a little time in the little white hospital somewhere because that's not how it works, sweetie. We all know that, right? That's not how it works. So how would it, must it have been with Mary? We're going to be looking at Mary uh, today. But it happened exactly like God predicted, in fact, over 300 different prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus' first invasion fulfilled, to the T, literally, in almost, every, almost 100% of the cases. So, so we have a prototype of his second invasion. For every single prophecy in the Old Testament of Jesus' first coming, there are eight prophecies of his second coming. How is that going to go? Here we are, sitting, looking into the future, just like they did. It can't be a virgin birth, right? Well, that's how it worked. So, it can't be that Jesus is going to be coming on a white horse and that he's going to be coming with the armies of heavens and he's going to be wiping out the usurpers and taking over the Antichrist. It can't be literal, right? Mm. I wouldn't bet on that. I think he's calling it exactly like he's calling it. It's outside of your imagination and, you know, just you don't know near as much as you thought. Neither do I. So we're going to let God do this prototype and tell us, so why is Christmas important? Because it's a prototype. It tells us how things are going to go in the future. Christmas matters. It matters, but there's many things about this first Christmas and the players of the story of the first Christmas that we misunderstand. It's interesting how well sometimes we know a story, and it seems like the better we know it, the more um, barriers we have to understanding the parts that we don't. And we have we have this in the Christmas story. Sometimes these stories that we know so well so well, uh, we we have incorporated other things into them that are not a part of the scriptures. And so we're gonna be looking at that today. Speaking of misunderstanding, have you heard the politically correct version of night before Christmas? You need to hear it. Twas the night before Christmas. Santa was a wreck. How to live in a world that's politically correct. His workers no longer wanted to be called elves. Vertically challenged, they were calling themselves. Four reindeer had vanished without much propriety, released to the wilds by the humane society. The runners had been removed from his sleigh, it seems. The ruts were termed dangerous by the EPA, it says. Show you the strangeness of life's ebbs and flows. Rudolph was suing over the misuse of his nose. He'd gone on a talk show in front of the nation, demanding millions over overdue compensation. So, funny and sad at the same time, isn't it? Because that's pretty much where we are today in our world. But it wasn't the elves of Rudolph that weren't understood or misunderstood at Christmas time. It's actually some of the main players, not the least of which, of course, is Jesus, the main, main player. How many really understand all that was going on and all that God was doing through us, through His Son? I mean, fully, uh, no one fully does. But Jesus and, and His first invasion, if you will, is so, so greatly misunderstood. And so are the players, the other parts of the story. And I want to be talking to you this Sunday and next Sunday and probably uh, a Sunday after Christmas, New Year's, about the players. Uh, this Sunday we're going to be talking to you about Mary. How well do you know Mary, do you really know who she is? Do you really know what she did? Do you really know the Scripture stands on her? She is one of the most misunderstood people in the Scriptures. On average, Mary is either overestimated or she is underestimated. We either write a whole lot in or we leave a whole lot out of the story of of Mary. For instance, uh, here's a certain overestimation, Uh, none, none less than Pope Pius IX. Look at what this says. God is committed to Mary the treasury of all good things in order that through her are obtained every hope, every grace, and salvation. Now, I don't know, you know, definitions are are strange, but if you want a definition of blasphemy, that's it. That's blasphemous. So someone other than Jesus is the Savior? So Mary hung on the cross for your sins? You wonder if this guy, in fact, I doubt seriously, He'd been dead a long time, he knows now, but ever read the Bible. So not only is Mary not, definitely not, our Savior, in fact, it's the opposite. She needed to be saved. Look at what she says about her own self, Luke chapter 1. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God. What? My? She's just like you. I mean, if she's a supernatural being and she does the things that she does, well, then there's a part of us that just says, oh, well, well, you know, supernatural beings do that kind of stuff. But if you're faced with a teenage girl who makes some amazing decisions and does some amazing things, then we have a lesson to learn, don't we? And Mary is one from whom we need to learn a lesson. As she goes on to say there, he has regarded... The lowly state of his man, maidservant, uh, for behold, henceforth all generations will call him blessed, which brings up the other side. So, so you have some that way overestimate Mary, and the rest of us who probably miss under, underestimate her. We misunderstand her. Who is, who is she? Who, who was this young woman? And what part does she play uh, in the life and this great adventure and the significance of? who she is. We know several things that we can say for certain about, or more or less for certain about the life of Mary that we can read between the lines. First of all, most likely a teenager because that's the way it was. A lady in her 20s would have already been married for quite a while, uh, almost without exception. Most marriages were, were arranged. Hers between she and Joseph would have been arranged. The marriages worked very well, by the way, back then. Not much divorce. So, you know, I don't know what to tell you about that, but I you know it just it seemed to work really well. Uh, almost lacked, uh, certainly a teenager, most definitely poor, she and her husband, both uh, poor people. A uh, devout believer in God. How do we know that? Well, it wasn't because of the decision she made to, to do whatever God told her to do. Uh, even though that's significant. I'm not taking that away from her anyway. But, but the reason why she plays so well when the opportunity, when the ball's kicked into her court is because she had been playing well prior to that. So you see these players out on the football field or the soccer field or whatever in the professional sports, and you see them doing I mean, they can run. Uh, they, they, can, they can play. They, they know what they're doing. They have great skills. They didn't just wake up yesterday with that stuff. They practiced. They worked. They dedicated themselves. They, they uh, uh, set themselves aside for a special goal. The reason why Mary can perform so well when she's on the stage here is because I would submit to you, she's a godly young lady. Been walk- this wasn't her first day to walk with the Lord. It wasn't her first time to decide, I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. Just when it's put to her, we get to see who she really is. And of course, she, she shines. So she's almost, like uncertain- almost certainly a teenager, Definitely poor, definitely a devout believer in God, and she's in love. She's set to be married. And uh, one of the problems that I have with Mary is that's not actually her name. Did you know that? We call her something when you get to heaven, you holler Mary, you're not going to get her attention because that wasn't her name. We get her name because we get it from the Greek New Testament, and, and we have a couple of barriers that we're crossing. So we're crossing from Hebrew, which is what her name would have been pronounced in, which definitely wasn't Mary. That that construct of a name doesn't even exist in the Hebrew language. So then it's translated into Greek, or written down in Greek, which is our Greek New Testament, then translated into a less uh, sophisticated language like English. And so we come up with these names that are pronounced very wrong. So do you mind if I pronounce your name wrong? I mean, if your name is John, I call you James, are you going to listen? No, probably not. It's almost as far away as in some ways Mary. Mary's name is actually Miriam. That's the name. That's her, her real name, Miriam. Of course, if you know anything about the Old Testament, that's a famous name. It's the older sister of Joseph. It's the little girl who found or who watched over her brother in the basket, Moses. Remember the story, and she goes to the Pharaoh's daughter and says, "You know, let me find someone to, to take care of this Hebrew baby as she's pulling Moses out of the water. That's what his name means, to be pulled out of the water. Miriam, by the way, has a name. You know what it means? What Mary's name means? it means rebel. Why would you name your kid that? Hmm. Methinks because she's got a little, you know, strong-headedness about her. She she is, by in all respects, just a regular person. Any rebels here? Any Miriams here? We Loaded with them, aren't we? Given our opportunities, we've been our own little shade of Miriam, haven't we? And so she's got this same name. She's just in every way one of us. So contrary to what so many people say, overstating her position. She's just a normal sinner like the rest of us. So we pick up her story here in uh, verse uh, 26 and following. If you'll look there with me, first Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the first mention we have, her history starts right here as far as we're concerned. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent God, sent from God to the city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so we have this angel coming to see her, and she's uh, uh, her story, the story of Mary, opens right here. She's pledged to be married. This is a huge event in her life. She would have been told probably early on, uh, young age, who her husband was going to be. And so this has been a process. They've been looking forward to it, and it becomes a process when she comes of age, because now not only is she going to have to... They didn't set dates back then. They would set seasons. So we're planning to get married, my wife and I would say, or my fiancé would say, this fall or this spring. They wouldn't give you a date because they didn't have a date. Not only did you not have a calendar, you didn't have a watch, and you didn't have a cell phone, but in addition to that, we couldn't tell you the day, because the date is dependent upon the husband... Guys and gals out there with daughters, isn't this great? The husband had to have a job and he had to have a house to move your daughter into, and until then, you don't get married. And so, when does that? Well, whenever it gets done. Drywall's got to be up, the ceiling fans have got to be in, the chandeliers have got to be hung, you know, all that stuff. The carpet's got to be down, and then whenever that's done, it may be midnight, it may be one o'clock in the morning, he's been waiting to marry her too. Then you get married. And the marriage, this marriage process starts, and so it wouldn't be a date. And so she's been built, it's been building, it's been growing. They're close now, she's of age. Uh, Joseph almost certainly is older because, he's, like I said, got to have a job, got to have a house. And, and uh, so this has been a process. She's going to be celebrating with all of her friends and her family. It's going to be days of celebration, feasting and fun, and, and one of the most, if not the most exciting time of her life. And at this point, God enters and tells her, it's all off. Because it is. Because I promise you, if you come up pregnant before this event, it's, which is happening to her, it's all off. Gone are all her dreams. Gone are all her plans. Gone in the place of them now are rumors of an illegitimate birth and a shotgun wedding and all the family and friends who don't show up because it doesn't happen that way. So all of her life, she's been planning, 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 hoping, 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 here it's going to be. It's going to be a great event. And then it doesn't because of God's will. Doesn't happen. Does God have a right to rearrange our lives anytime he wants to? I mean, who does he think he is? God? Yeah. What is a servant of God? Mary's a great example of that. Okay, God, rearrange my life. You got a right to do it. I'm not saying she didn't cry over it. I'm not saying it wasn't hard for her. I'm just saying what is put to her. Boom. Great lady. Outstanding lady gone are her dreams and in place of it is tough times and so the angel proceeds to not only tell her that that is gone he effectively says you're not in Kansas anymore notice what happens there look at it from a perspective of I want you to think about a uh you know uh, any teenagers here if you are I want you to put your fingers in your ears and go la 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 just for a minute we have our opinion of young people don't we in a lot of ways, it's correct. We raise them if you're, or we were one of them. You remember what it's like to be a kid, what it's like to be a teenager? Focused. Focused on life. I don't know if you had a conversation with your young person or ever seen or been around a young person. They're so focused. It's, it's this girl, and she means everything to me. No, she doesn't. If you had a perspective on life that I have, it's this boy, and he's everything. No, he doesn't. He's not everything. Oh, it's this one thing. It's this game. It's this, uh, I I don't know, this thing I'm trying to accomplish. It matters everything. And their whole world can come apart if that doesn't work out. And it's it's tough. And, And every one of us have been in those circumstances. And we've helped our children or tried to help our children through those circumstances. Mary is right here. All due respect to her. She's a young person. She's a teenager. And her world is getting Yanked out from under her. So, hear what the angel has to say to her. It's not just you're not going to get the marriage that you wanted, it's way more than that. Consider verse 28. He came in, the angel did, Hail, favored one. He says, The Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at his statement. It didn't help that he said that. Kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. All right. What does that mean? You know, Cadillacs and money and health and wealth, right? No, Mary, that's not it. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. So I've lost my wedding and now I have illegitimate seemingly pregnancy. You shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will... Never end. And Mary said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? She, she, she understands this means immediate. The angel's saying, right now, this is happening to you. Not going to be tomorrow. It's happening right now. How can this possibly be? Joseph I are already been married. We've been planning. We've been working toward this. So how can this possibly happen? She doesn't understand it from a biological sense, and neither do any of us. She's asking a legitimate question. This, this, this child that she, was, that she was about to be pregnant with was to fulfill all the hopes. Understand what's being put on her. All the hopes of her ancestors. All the writings of their scriptures. All the promises, 300-and-something promises, like I said, of his first invasion. Now, she's going to be carrying that baby. I mean, you're pregnant. I don't know what that's like. You now we've been pregnant, of course. But you, you have a child? That's amazing. But this child is this? What? How can you hear it from her perspective? So let me say it to this as bluntly as I can. She was to become immediately pregnant with the physical body of God. And how do you take that standing up? You're 16, 17, you're young. Hey, getting married is just out, you know, uh, you can't imagine that. But now you're going to be pregnant on top of that before it ever happens. She's just a kid. She's just a teenager. Again, we have a lot. We owe a lot to her. And among the other things, we owe to her. Although we put it to a different way. Who do you look like? Mom or dad? You ever told? We have children that look like me, and we have kids that look like my wife, and we have one that we were, what did we say? Your side of the family or mine? I can't remember. We switched her at birth. We switched her at birth. Oh, <laughs> I was there. She was, her mom, of course, was there. We, I know that child is mine, we're just not sure where she fits, but she's a combination of something. But we all look like somebody, don't we? You look like your mom, you look like your dad. As I age, I get tend to more look like my dad. I think when I was younger looking at pictures, I look more like my mom, and to me anyway. Uh, but, but you know, we, we have certain physical characteristics because that's what, it, that's what genetics are. Right. That's the way it is. Uh, some people, as we say, is, are there a spitting image of so-and-so? Some people's genes are just so incredibly strong and I'm great grateful that you look like somebody and so you know so congratulations but here's my real question here's the big question that people have been asking for 2000 years what does jesus look like do you know here's a wild thought jesus is going to forever look like a little young girl named mary god you know he had to pick somebody he couldn't just you know, randomly pull out of the genetic you know, gene pool just absolutely nothing. He doesn't look like Joseph because that's not his real father, but he will look like Mary forever. That's wild, isn't it? Because physically, genetically, he's the son of Mary. He's a descendant of David, but he directly is a son of Mary. It messes, at least with my mind, trying to mess with yours. From an uninformed angle, though, Looks like God's a big gambler because this is put to her as a choice. In fact, it's indicated by the way she responds that it was her choice. It's put to her like a choice. God looks like the biggest gambler who's ever been because he hangs his entire future, no offense, young people, on his creation upon a teenager. Would you do that? Do you trust teenagers that much? Not me, God does. I can name several in the Bible, Mary among them, Mary at the top among them, Daniel and other ones who are very similar, uh, Joseph in the Old Testament. Young people, young. But man, God puts them to it, and guess what? They hold through incredibly, incredible odds. Wow, I'm losing all this, and now this shadow of doubt is going to be cast over me. I mean, from an honor an angle, it looks like the biggest, God looks like the biggest gambler. Of course, he's not. He's sovereign, he's all-knowing, but from a human perspective, God is taking a huge risk, isn't he? A huge risk. Christmas is hung on the decisions of a teenager? Yeah, that's exactly right. Her name was Mary, or Miriam. Verse 38, is her famous, famous, incredible response. Very short very powerful. Mary, he goes on to explain the fact that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon her and that her, her, her cousin Elizabeth has already conceived when it was not possible for her, and so God can do anything right. It says there in verse 38, here's Mary's response, Behold the bondslave of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. I had all my plans And all the things I thought my life was going to be, whatever that was, but since you've decided it's not going to be like that, well then, you're God. I'm going to let you be. And I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be, which is your servant. Several things that we have to say in conclusion about her for us to observe and to put into practice in our lives. She accepts the role that we need to accept. She voluntarily enslaves herself to God, which is what the word is. The word in the Greek is the word doulos. A doulos was a person who could be free or could be a slave. If I gave you the option, which would you be? Free, of course, right? A doulos is a person who chooses to be, they have a choice, and they choose to be a slave out of respect for their master, out of the desire to be near their master and near their home and can't see a life better than to serve their master. Whatever their master chooses to be, that's the word she calls herself. That is what we need to be calling ourselves. One who has the decision to make and who chooses to be whatever God wants him to be. Amazing young lady. She's amazing. She deserves your respect. She deserves your respect not only because she, when it's put to her she could make this kind of decision, but also because, as I said before, it demonstrates a process in her life. You don't just play good on a good day when there's no, and you haven't practiced beforehand. Like I said, people that play good on, on a good day are people who have been practiced, practice, practice, study, 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 exercise, exercise, exercise. Mary, demonstrated by her decision, is the lady who did that. She's godly. It wasn't just today that God dawned on her, if you will. God has been a part of her life faithfully up until this point. So that when it came to her, when the big move came and the big decision came, no questions. She just moves. No doubts. God can do whatever he wants to. And my decision is to do whatever God has called me to. Listen, the decision to follow God is not a decision you're going to make when it's put to you. I would say if you're waiting until then, you're probably going to mess up. You're probably going to say no when you should have said yes, or yes when you should have said no. The decision to follow God when the big time comes, whatever that is for you, whatever it is for me, is the decisions I make every day about following Him. So you're telling me that you're going to honor God with your life, and yet you're not reading the Bible every day and not praying, not faithful to church. I've got an answer for you. That's my answer. You're full of it. It's not going to happen. You're just lying to yourself. I'll be great on that day, you know, and I get put out there, you know, put me in coach and I'm going to play. No, you won't. You'll fail miserably because it doesn't happen in a day. It's a life, it's a progress, it's a growth. We talked about it in Sunday school. It's, it's 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 godliness. Godliness is a process, it's a decision, it's a commitment, it's a it's a discipline. You're looking at a godly young lady. She disciplined herself. So that when the big big answer, to the big question came, she could say yes. Of course. And which demonstrates another thing, by the way. She'd already made that decision. Be already, before anything comes, whatever, I've got my plans and I'm going to do what I want to do, but if God intervenes and decides something differently, well then, I already have my answer. I'm going to do that. Great decision. You're waiting till that time comes for you to make that decision. I'm telling you, you're probably going to do it wrong. You make that decision today. Whatever God wants. It may not change anything about your life. He may, as in case of Mary, change everything. It's okay. He's God. She willingly sacrifices her dreams. She allows God to rearrange her entire life. She loses a special event along with all the hopes that go along with this. She adds to herself a bunch of trouble. So notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that after the angel in her talk that he goes with her to her mom and dad. That would have been nice. You know, could you come in here and talk to my dad about this? Because it's going to be a little rough about, you know, the whole virgin thing and all that, you know. Mm -mm. what about joseph it's real clear she's all by for a while she's all by herself we don't know how mom and dad go but joseph doesn't believe her and he decides he's going to put her away quietly he doesn't i mean she's nuts she's crazy not to not to mention promiscuous she she's she's got a lot of problems and it takes an angel coming to joseph and we're going to talk about him next week takes an angel coming to joseph to get him straightened out so she's by herself so, so sometimes God calls us to a place where it's, it's just you and that it's in the call of God in your life. And, and listen to me, it has to be enough. It, it's nice as it is to have a team around you and to have a church that supports you and to have a group that loves you, and that's awesome, and you need to search for that. But there will be times that you're gonna have to be all by yourself and you're gonna have to be good right there. Hold. Cry nothing wrong with that i don't think this went without tears without about a lot of sleepless nights and anxiety and other things i don't think she just breathes through this like i said she's a regular person just like us but she held she deserves your respect and you and i need to learn from her her example because what she does final thing is she says yes to the impossible may be done to me according to your word and for that answer we have christmas for that answer. Because she is willing. God can do massive things. So, so I don't know, nine-month pregnancy, that's not that big a deal. Mother to the Son of God. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know what all that necessarily means. I know a lot of ladies who've had a lot of children and raised a lot of children. So there's a part of that that just seems like, well, it doesn't everybody do that? Uh, yes, but at the same time, because it was God's will, look what God has done. Look what God has brought through us, through her, the body Uh, that God took upon himself forever has come through her. The body that was to be hung on the cross to sacrifice for our sins, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper here, here in a bit, that we're going to be remembering that body and that blood came from her. Blowing minds. Blows my mind. Yeah, she's a regular lady. Her name was a rebel. But when it came to it, she knew who she was going to go with. It was a decision she made beforehand, I would submit to you. What decision are you going to make? today. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as God is speaking to us today. And you say, I'm a servant of the Lord? Like I said, it wasn't the first time she said that. She'd already decided that in her heart. I'm the servant of the Lord. I'm moving forward with plans and moving forward with a relationship. and moving forward with whatever destiny is laid out in front of her. But God's got a right to change all that. God's got a right, and I don't have to like it, but I'm going to do it. Because I know whatever his decisions are, they're the best. God's got a right. Does he have a right in your life? Does he have a right? You're you're going to find God to be very much a gentleman. He'll accept your yes, he'll accept your no. But you're going to find out that you'll hate yourself for that no. You'll regret forever that no. Would you say yes to him today? Would you say yes? His plan of salvation is through His Son, Jesus Christ, a life sacrifice on a cross to pay for your sins, but you have to say yes to that. Yes, I want your everlasting life and your forgiveness that comes only through Christ and not through my religiosity and not through my church attendance. Would you say yes to Him today? Would you say yes to Him about whatever future He has for you? It may not be what you think it is. May not be here. Maybe you're here and want to stay here. Well, maybe God's got other plans for you. That's okay. needs to be okay. Maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's something else. But it starts with saying yes. When God does move, and He will, it'll be better for you if you're already saying yes to Him when that day comes. Thank you so much, God, for Mary. Thank you for her willingness to serve you, her determination, her godly decision Uh, That she had been making and ultimately made, and because of her faithfulness to you, we now have Christmas. What a great lady and a great example for us to follow. Thank you for her. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.